Welcome to the Iceman Kicking Podcast. It's the show with cold questions and even cooler guests. We're here to talk about the ins and outs of special teams and specialists. And I am your host, Brett O'Kellian. Today's guest is one of the most successful kickers to ever play the game of football, who lasted 24 years in the NFL. You may know him from such events like helping the Patriots win their first ever Super Bowl by hitting a game winner against the Rams in Super Bowl 36. A man who came back from missing not one, but two field goals in the Super Bowl to hit yet another game winner in Super Bowl 38 for the second title in Patriots franchise history and ultimately setting the record for the most career field goals made ever in NFL history. Quote, he is the greatest kicker of all time who made the greatest kick of all time in the 2001 divisional playoffs. His consistency, mental toughness, and performance under pressure was legendary. That quote is from Patriots head coach Bill Belichick, who may know a thing or two about ball. We are, of course, referring to a man commonly known as the GOAT, Adam Vinatieri. Welcome to the cold seat. Thanks for having me on, bud. Appreciate it. We are we're super psyched. I mean, we've had some fantastic guests uh, on the show, but um, yeah, we're just we're just honored that you get to to be on here and talk some ball, man. We just want to hear about your your journey, and I, you know, we love helping the kids that uh, you know never really got an opportunity to speak with guys like you and, and learn from the best. So sure, sure. Well, I uh, like I said, I'm happy to be here. I, I love sharing stories and talking to kids about uh, my my little uh, my route to where I got and how I got there. So bring them on. They call me the Iceman, cold as ice as I am. Can you drop a nice man? Smoking to you, nice fam, you nice fam. Can I get on you for a second here? You are quite the journeyman, but <laughs> now you're, I mean, I've seen you in some different shirts over the, the past year, but congratulations to you. For you guys that, that may know Brett, but don't know, I mean, the guy knows what he's talking about. Uh, I'd be thrilled, uh, you know, if, if you're a parent and you have a kid that is is going to be able to to learn with a school. You have to know people that really know what they're looking for. So I think it's important, vitally important. Congrats for doing something like this, um, you know, and, and hiring a guy that really knows what he's talking about. Congratulations, much deserved. I You've come a long it. way since Smyrna High School. A few reminders. We encourage you to tweet about today's episode and tag us at Iceman underscore kicking. Use the hashtag IMK podcast or big kick energy or cool under pressure to let us know what you enjoyed about the episode or any recommendations for who you'd like to see on the podcast next. Also, if you are interested in any of the fantastic info discussed today, you can find all of this and more by heading to icemankicking.com and purchasing the Kicker's Bible, proven training method and secrets used by professional specialists. Which brings us to the official sponsor of the Iceman Kicking Podcast, The Kicker's Bible. The Kicker's Bible, including tips from 20, that's 2-0, NFL specialists, along with numerous personal stories and accounts from Eagles Hall of Fame kicker David Akers and 15-year NFL vet and University of Florida special teams coach Shane Graham. The Kicker's Bible is a must-have for any specialist that want insight from the best in the business. Get your copy today 
in our Twitter bio at Iceman underscore kicking or Amazon. Now let's sit back and really kick this icy episode off. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I want to start from the start and I'm obviously, you know, we've, we've heard about your career and, and how illustrious it's been, illustrious it's been, but kind of take us through, you know, how'd you get into football um, and what the path was? Like sure. Sure. Well, I guess growing up as a kid, I was a multi-sport athlete. I played soccer when I started really, really young and uh, football, track, wrestling, dabbled in baseball and, and stuff a little bit, but that wasn't really my thing. So soccer, football, wrestling were kind of my sports. Um, I guess uh, Pop Warner football, fifth grade rolls around. Uh, I know kids start younger than that now, but that was our first opportunity to put pads and a helmet on and uh, played a little quarterback as well, but the, but they were kind of trying to figure out who could kick and they said, anybody kick? And myself, a couple guys said, you know, we play soccer, we'll try and happen to be the best one that day. And they said, oh, cool, you're our kicker. And it, that's kind of how it started along with probably every other kid that ever kicked the ball. But um, I loved it. I mean, soccer kept me going and in shape and all that stuff. But uh, uh, playing football was, was pretty awesome. So I guess every year beyond there, from, from that point on, I was the kicker and the punter for our team. And um, I think soccer gave me a great background to kind of have that eye foot you know the coordination kind of stuff it's different obviously but um there's some similarities and it gives you a little bit of foundation and then you develop it from there so i guess that's kind of how it started played multi-sports through high school went to went to south dakota state um backup quarterback for about 10 minutes you know um and, and punted and kicked there they, they basically said, hey, man, you're a pretty good punter and kicker, and you're not going to see the field as a quarterback until your junior or senior year. If you don't want to sit through all these damn meetings, you don't have to. And I said, probably a good idea. So I really focused in on kicking and punting at that point and, and got through South Dakota State. Did pretty well, you know, took me a, around uh, around the globe, I guess. Uh, you know, uh, I didn't get drafted or or signed with any team right out of college. So I went to Virginia, worked with uh, Doug Levins, a coach that you know, um, got drafted by the Amsterdam Admirals, played one season over there. And when I was there in training camp, New England, the Colts, a couple other teams kind of talked to me a little bit, but New England was kind of the team that I thought I had the best chance of making the team. They they had an older kicker and they just signed Tom Tupa. Matt Barr was their kicker. They didn't have a kickoff guy. Neither of those guys really did it much anymore. And they said, hey, we got to keep at least a kickoff specialist. And, uh, you know, a year after that, maybe you could, fight for the starting kicker job. Well, I got in there. Bill Parcells was the head coach at the time. And to all the respect in the world to him, he, he looked at it and said, hey, this kid can help our team. So he gave me an opportunity to kick field goals too. And, and I did pretty good training camp. And, you know, they ended up releasing Matt and, and the rest was history, so to say, I guess. You know, that first year was a little crazy. A couple ups and downs. Missed a couple kicks early. And Parcells said he's week to week, which means – Miss another kick and you're gone. But uh, I think the third or fourth preseason, third or fourth regular season game, um, hit a game winner. I think I went five for six or something against Jacksonville, and, and that kind of catapulted me, gave me some confidence, and the rest of the season went pretty well. And went all the way to the Super Bowl that year, lost to Green Bay, but it was a pretty memorable year nonetheless. Man, that's awesome. Man, there's so much to unpack there, but like, yes, that's that's that whole first part of your career, right? So take me back real quick. The Jackrabbit days, right? And and you're leaving your senior year. You guys have had some success, right? What was 
you kind of said there's, a, you know, you didn't get drafted. Like, what was the interest? What were you hearing? Especially being at a Division One AA school then, right in the '90s. Like, how? Right. Actually, it was it was a Division Two school when I was there. They went one AA after I left. Um, so, so statistically, like a lot of kids, um, you know, I had a big leg, but a little inconsistent at times. Um, led the conference in both punting and kicking for a couple of years, but you know. Um, just one reason or another, it was not, I wasn't consistent enough to, to, to show a lot of the NFL teams that, that maybe I was ready to go. Now, in saying that, um, a couple CFL teams called and were interested in me, but Steve Hoffman with the, the Dallas Cowboys said, hey, we're not going to draft any kickers, but we want to bring you to camp. So at that point, I was like, okay, no to CFL, I want to play in the NFL, and that draft day came and gone, and no phone calls. About three days later, I'm wondering what the heck's going on, so I called him, and he said, ah, I'm really sorry, man, you know, we, uh, we went in a different direction, you know, but good luck to you and all that stuff. So at that point now, you know, the CFL had already started their seasons. I was kind of behind the eight ball a little bit on that. So called Brian Hansen, who was the punter at the Jets at the time. He's a South Dakota guy. And we went and worked out together at one point. And, uh, you know, he just said, you got a real live leg and you're good. You just need to keep working and get keep on getting some consistency. And that's when he introduced me to, you know, Doug out in Virginia, packed up my stuff and moved out there for, for all of, I guess it would have been 1995. And, um, Watched the, you know, got a job as a, as a bartender slash server at a restaurant and helped the high school there out, kick in and got my workouts in there because they had a field and a weight room and that kind of stuff. So it was interesting. Uh, and at that point, that's when I signed with the Amsterdam Admirals. And like I said, it took me around the world and got to play cool. I mean, it was great. Play football for a living, get to see Europe. Didn't get paid a lot, but I didn't really care at that point, to be honest with you. Most of the guys on our team were allocated NFL guys that were, you know, were getting sent over there to get some experience. And I was just happy to be on a team and get, get the opportunity to play. And I think I was 90% on field goal and did pretty good punting. And sure enough, I, I got a couple of teams to offer me a contract. And even at that point, I didn't, uh, didn't understand what that meant. You know, I was like, oh, sweet, I'm on a team. Well, hindsight, looking back at it now, realizing that, uh, yeah, I, I was on that ladder. I was about three rungs up with about 12 more to go. So I was, I was happy to get the opportunity and too naive to know what was stacked against me, but uh, it worked out good. Yeah. The Amsterdam Admirals had the, the blue and orange, right? Was that their jerseys That's right. field on there? I mean, I remember it from like, you know, playing Madden and like, you know, these NFL Europe teams are so cool. Was that a tough experience for you? Cause I know like David Aker said when he went over there, he lost freaking 20 pounds. Going I wish. So, so we lived in a hotel and the food that they gave us was, it probably had a, a Dutch twinge to it or something, but nobody liked the food too terribly much with all due respect. So we were always heading downtown and finding, you know, Argentinian steakhouses and Mexican joints and stuff like that. So I, on the other hand, did not lose any weight. I probably gained 10 pounds if anything, but I love, I love the experience. It was awesome. I, I met so many great people over there. Um, you know, the, the, it was, it was, it was a really great time. And the funny thing about being in Amsterdam, we could lose every game, but as long as we beat the Germans, we were okay. That, that was their attitude. But in, we played in the old Olympic stadium over there and it was, it was old before they got their new 
whatever stadium, the brand new Olympic stadium that they had there. And the crowd was crazy. They didn't really understand football too much. So the music's going when we're on offense and people are dancing. It's just a, it's like a soccer state. You know, it's, it's, it had that feel with everybody chanting and stuff like that. It's definitely different, but uh, it was awesome. I had a great, great time. What a unique experience, man. Yeah, that, I'm sure they were probably blaring their horns and stuff when you're kicking. You're like, calm down. <laughs> We had, we had, so every team had to have five national guys from their country, and one of them had to either punt, kick, kick off, or kick extra points. We had an old IOC soccer player. He was 40, probably 45-ish, 42-ish, something. Hadn't played soccer in a handful of years, but it was more of a, more of a you know, a way to get people in the stands and stuff. And, and so he couldn't do much of the other stuff, but, but he was, he was a- adequate enough to kick an extra point, you know, the old 20 yard extra points. Well, I tell you, when I go out and hit a bang of 50 yard and they'd be chanting like, all right, that was pretty good. He would kick a, an extra point. People are taking their shirts off and swinging them around and stuff. And I'm like, Hey, this is a crazy, but it was all, and he turned out to be one of my really, really good friends over there. I mean, I was 22, he was 45, but what a, what a great dude. I learned a lot from him. He showed me the city. I, that was one of the cool things. I became friends with some of the national guys. And shit, on our day off, we'd be jumping on one of the public transportation and seeing all of, not, not, just, not just Holland, but just, I mean, all these different countries. It was, I, love, I, I absolutely loved it. I know some guys thought it was a, a demotion or whatever that they had to go over there, but not for me. I, I thought it was pretty, a great step on that ladder for me, for sure. Absolutely. And I mean, what I'm, I'm trying to show you too is, is like the adversity you have to go through, right? I mean, you were at a division two and, you know, played multiple kick and punt, not just doing one. So, you know, doing different stuff. And then, you know, you don't go to a sign, you don't get assigned to a team right away. You had to go to Amsterdam, right? And I'm sure as a 22 year old kid or, or how old you were, right? You're just finding the pause. It's like, man, I'm in, a, I'm in Europe. I'm playing ball. Like, this is awesome. For sure. No, definitely. Like I said, it was, you're living in a hotel, you got a roommate and, and you're in Europe and stuff like that. But I mean, I, I thought it was amazing. The funny thing, we, like I said, I signed with New England. We made a run all the way to the Super Bowl. So I think I played something like 31 or 32 games in a 12 month time period. I was a little, I was a little tired. Thank God I was young because I'm not sure how I would handle it otherwise. But uh, I, I loved it. I didn't, I didn't want to stop. It was just so much fun and getting to go playing Barcelona and, and Frankfurt and Dusseldorf and Edinburgh, Scotland and London and all these days. I thought it was, I thought it was really cool. It was really, really cool. And, you know, to send football over there too and to have them get a taste of it before we really started to expand the NFL over there. I think it was a good thing for the, for the game as well. And I think it, I mean, and I know they shut it down because they were losing money or something, but losing a little bit of money to develop not only the sport in a foreign country or countries, but also to develop younger players, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good thing. As much money that the league brings in, it's okay to lose a handful of millions of dollars to develop that and to, to expand it out. So I wish they'd get, I wish they'd bring it back. I think it'd be a great experience for a lot of people, but it's above my pay grade. <laughs> hey man, I know. I think that's cool and influence, and you see guys now being recruited from Europe and stuff, going to big time schools. So yeah, I think that's awesome. You guys were part of that. You know, you were as much as part of that as as anyone who played there. So for sure, for that's, sure. That's awesome. But then, you know, you go into the situation, right? With the Patriots and, you know, um, you've got a 17 year NFL vet there, Matt Barr, right? And I'm sure that's a, a tough test 
uh, to walk into that. How did you handle competing with such a proven, I mean, this guy, you know, nearly just like your career, nearly 20 years or 20 years in the NFL, you know, how did you handle competing with a guy like that? Well, so, so my thing was always, don't ever be disrespectful. Don't ever be rude. Be, be generous, be kind and courteous and all that stuff. Give him the respect that he deserved and everybody else, but we're competing for the same job. So the way I looked at it is go in there every single day and do your best. And I mean, I kept a journal, like how many did I make? How many did he make? You know, I, I wanted it because I felt like if I was going to get released, he better be like a title fight. He better not, you know, he better win. You know, I got to knock him out if I'm going to be the new champ. But, but um, I just wanted to see, you know, and that's one of those things, like I had all the respect in the world for him. I knew all about his stats. I knew about him helping the Giants and winning Super Bowls and all that stuff. So he's one of the guys that I looked up to when I was growing up as a kid, you know, so but I also, like I said, respected the heck out of him, but I wasn't going to give him anything. I wasn't going to bow down. I, I was the one thing that I had at that point is he was a little older and I was a young, strong legged guy. So when I warm up, first thing I do is I go back beyond his range where he wasn't comfortable anymore. And I just camp out back there banging balls. You know, I'm like, Either, either I'm 20 yards behind you and everybody sees that or you're going to come back here and, and now all of a sudden it's not going to fare as well. So I tell you one thing, though, like, like I said, we had a good relationship and, and uh, I, to this day, one of the best pieces of advice he ever gave me and I pass it on to younger kids, doesn't matter what sport it is or whatever. I, he told me, he said, you know, when... About the, when the writing was on the wall and he was on looking on looking out like he knew, he said, Adam, always remember this. You're going to have a good, long career. He said, just remember this. You're never as good as they say you are, and you're never as bad as they say you are. He said, if you can stay on an even keel, you'll be great for the rest of your career. Because there'll be ups and downs. There'll be one day they'll be telling you your best thing ever, and you miss a couple kicks. Oh, my God, they should have got you. What are they thinking? You know, that kind of thing. But if you can put the good behind you and the bad behind you and just keep working forward. And that's one thing that I really found out is to get into the league, it's difficult. To stay in the league, it's difficult, maybe more difficult. But that consistency thing is what keeps you there for a long time. And, and coaches want to know that you're a guy they can trust and count on. And so the consistency thing for me is, is a huge, huge deal. And that's what I tried to do. Like everybody's like, man, how could you so many years? And I just said, one game at a time, one week at a time, one game at a time. All of a sudden, the season's done, and the next thing you know, you're signing another contract, and the next thing you're like, holy cow, how does how 15 years go? How, you know, you know, it's funny. It was always like, you know, everybody would stand up and name, position, how many years in the league, blah, 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 blah. And every year when I would start counting those, hey, this is 18, and people were like, yeah, you know, this is 22, oh, right, you know, that kind of stuff. It just was weird to me because even though I could tell my body was getting older and getting more aches and pains, and it took longer to get all the little stuff in and done. Um, I just, I just never felt like it was that long. I was like, man, it feels like seven years when I'm 50, you know, it just, it was just, I just love it. It's so much fun. I just, everything about it was awesome. Dang, man. You're never as good as you say they are and you're never as bad as they say you are. That's, that's awesome advice. And just kind of like you talk about, there's so much stuff that I want to hit on. And, but tell me real quick. So you're saying at the start of every season, right? Guys would stand up and they'd say, Hey, I'm so-and-so I'm from here. And I played this many years. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Basically, you know, most of the time it's the rookies coming in. It was like name, position, signing bonus. Right. And everybody, would get, you know, just hooping and all and stuff. 
but a lot of times they would introduce, you know, some of the, some of the older guys too, you know, so everybody kind of knew who everybody was and, you know, new rookie coming in, meeting 75 new faces. They probably don't know everybody, but, um, and I had a couple of rookies, Hey coach, where am I supposed to go? And I'm like, call me coach again, dude, we're going to have a problem. So it, it got to the point where when I started getting gray hair and, and I was uh, older than most of the coaches, Sometimes they didn't know, so I made sure I let them know early and often. <laughs> I'm sure it was that 20, what, 2017, 2018 season when you grew up the beard, I'm sure you got a lot of that, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. It, you know, I've, I've had the fortunate uh, – I've been fortunate enough to play with a couple of father-son duos and stuff like that. It was, um, I guess it would have been, oh, man, 2017-ish probably. We're coming in after – Specialists are out. We do all of our stuff. We're coming back into the locker room, dice down and stuff. Everybody else is still out on the field. And they got a new rookie that's in that's getting his helmets and shoulder pads and filling in his locker. He obviously just just got in while we were at practice. And and, and I saw the last name that said Megan on top. And I go, you know, I like to always introduce my, hey guys, I'm out of editor. I'm one of the reps and all this. If you need anything, you know, you know, if I can't answer it, I'll figure it out, you know, whatever, you know, try to be friendly and all that stuff. And, uh, and he turned around and he said, oh, hey, Mr. Vinatieri, yeah, I know who you are. And I go, yeah. And, and so Mr. Vinatieri, that in itself made the punter and, and, and you know, Luke and Rigo laugh. Uh, but they're like, yeah, you know, uh, you, you played with my dad, Dave. And I'm like, you got to be kidding. And then they really started laughing. But for me, it's a, it's a huge badge of honor when I get to play multiple generations of guys. It's, it's um just means you've been around a long time. They always used to call me. I remember when I was one of the young guys, and then all of a sudden I became big brother, and then I became dad, and then I became granddad in the locker room, you know, and you're sitting in the hot tub warming up, and they're asking you relationship questions or, or you know, financial questions and all this stuff. Hey, man, how long have you been married? 20 years. Holy man, that's almost as long as I've been alive, you know, so – I enjoy, I enjoy trying to give them little nuggets of advice if I can. Not always, but, uh, you know, make sure, you know, just the little things, spending money. These guys get money in their pockets, like put that away, save it, you know, don't, don't spend outside of your means and then you'll be, you'll be good for a long time if you can do that. So just little, just little nuggets that, that are not kicking nuggets, but life lessons, I guess, that can help out maybe. Huge, huge. As Marshawn Lynch said, save your chicken, save your chicken. And, <laughs> and you know, you're right, man. You're, you're a teacher. And that's like, they came to you and, you know, they looked, looked for that. So that's, that's pretty awesome. I want to rewind real quick too. I heard during your first season, right, when you went out and you made that tackle, Herschel Walker on the kickoff, right? Did Bill Parcells really come to, see, come to you and say, you're not a kicker, you're a football player? Yeah. He said, he said that and said, guys in the locker room are going to treat you differently. I had no idea what that meant, but um, it, I think I earned a little bit more respect, you know, like guys in the locker room. I, some of my best friends are guys that have been done and out of the league for 10 or 15 years, but the, the Willie McGinnis and the Lloyd Malloy's and all the guys that were roughly my age, a little bit, little bit older and stuff. I mean, they, they looked at me differently, like, like when that happened. And then we obviously Monday after the game, you know, you watch all the, the different plays and special teams and all that stuff. And they're like, dude, that was awesome, man. And I guess for me, I mean, that's who I am. I mean, that's, that's, you know, it means as much to me as anybody, but I work in the weight room as far as anybody and I'm, I'm doing the running and all that stuff with the guys. And, 
I know, I know one point our, you know, our strength condition coach said, Hey, you know, we can modify stuff. You don't have to do the same running and all that. And I go, listen, I want guys to see me out there. I want, I want to compete with them and I want them to realize like, it means as much to me as it means to anybody because we're not, none of us are perfect. I'm going to miss a kick. I'm going to maybe cost us a game. Who I want them to also know that it's not from a lack of effort or lack of trying, lack, lack of heart, any of that stuff. And, and there's something very humbling to them if I'm in there lifting and I can put up more weight than a running back or something and I start talking some trash. It was Kevin Falk was is still one of my greatest friends. Um, he he sat there, man, and goes, I hate lifting with you. And I go, Really? Why? And he goes, because I never ever can take a break. Because if if I do, you'll you'll lift more and embarrass me. So I've got to push hard as I can every single day. And I go, so I make you better? And he goes, absolutely. And I go, hey, that's what we're all about. And I'm not trying to do that for him or any other, but me, myself included, AJ and I, when we're down in the basement, man, we're pushing hard because I can't let him beat me and he doesn't want me to beat him. So it makes us both better. You know what I mean? So that's just one of those things that, uh, yeah, Herschel, it was, it was hilarious too because kicked the ball, he broke a seam. I'm probably a bit out of position at that point. And I'm like, oh my God, he's got, I mean, he's, he's gone, right? And I really didn't have a very good angle, if at all. And I'm like, I can't let him get to the end zone. I just, I can't. So I start running with my one turf shoe and one kicking shoe on. And to my surprise, every 10 yards, I'm gaining a foot, gaining a foot, gaining a foot. I think I ended up tackling him at about our 25, 27 yard, whatever the heck it was. It, he, he got a good 70 yard return, but I finally lunged and grabbed him and took him down to the ground and he grabbed the ball and threw it in the ground. He turned around and looked like who caught me, right? And when he saw little old number four kicker, you know, I'm sure he just lost his mind because he had to have thought it was one of our safeties, one of a DB that's fast, not, not me, right? But uh, I had nothing cool to say other than, yeah, the kicker. And then I went to the sideline about past that. <laughs> so maybe the good Lord gave me 10 seconds of speed just one time because I'm not that fast, but uh, hell of a hell of a play. One of the, probably the, one of the most athletic plays of my entire career for sure. Shoot, man. One of the most athletic plays for a kicker. Like that's, <laughs> that's right. And yeah. That made kickers everywhere proud. That's right. That's right. I've seen some, Probably more epic tackles, but you better throw that one in there in the top 10 of all time. Just just because it was Herschel and that dude was a Olympic bobsledder, for Christ's sake. So you gotta keep you gotta recognize, even if you don't remember. Oh, he's a freaking dude, man. I mean, obviously he was, you know, that generation, like he was, you know, the running back. And I think that's gotta be up there with with also, you know, Pat McAfee, I know he's your buddy. He's he had a pretty big tackle. So these coaches, they make tackles, but it's also something that we talk to with our young guys, right? And super important for young kickers to hear is like, don't be seen as just a kicker, right? When we're looking at guys, we're evaluating, you know, talking to these coaches saying, hey, is he a kicker or is he working out with the team? Is he one of the top power cleaners? Is he you know, heavily involved? It's the same stuff with that. And we reinforce that with our guys too. Like the way you gain respect from your teammates is exactly how you said, push yourself in the weight room, stand out, you know, you know make sure you're doing more than other guys. And that's awesome to hear a story where you're, you know, lifting more than the starting running back. Like I tell you what, and the other part that falls into that too is, and I'm sure we'll get into it about longevity of career and stuff, but I, I personally believe that the better shape your body's in, the stronger you are, flexibility is a huge thing. I had a, I had a stretch guy. I mean, it, it sounds stupid, but I had a guy that had 
time to get the table and stretch, you know, and, you know, three times a week for 45 minutes, I get off the table just shaking like I just got done running 10 miles. Why? Because I wanted to work on flexibility. But for me, for me, all that little stuff, nutrition, sleep, eating, you know, eating right, obviously, but, but all the little stuff, taking care of your body. Like so many guys are like, I'm going to go to the training room. What's good? You're done. I'm like, if you make sure the little things stay little or they disappear because little things that turn into big things makes you out of the league unless you're, you know what I mean? So for me, I learned that early from, from some great leadership in, in that first locker room where, where I just, I, you know, I really spent all the time. I always tell the young guys, I'm like, listen, your body is your tool. If you, if it breaks down, that's, that's your, that's your ability to make a team, to make money, to stay around. I said, you got to do everything that you can to take care of. Well, I'm not saying you can't go out and hang out with the guys one night, stay out a little later, or have some drinks or whatever. I, I get all that. I mean, that's part of blowing off steam and being a person and all that stuff. But when it starts affecting your performance or, you know, I feel dehydrated today. Well, it's because you drank six beers yesterday. You can't do that kind of stuff. So, I mean, not to say I never ever did, but I, I just, I just tried to make, keep my body in the best shape possible so I could play for a longer amount of time. So I think that's important. And that's one thing that gets overlooked when you're young. I think McAfee would say that first thing too, because he never took care of his body, never stretched. He, he'd take balls and he'd just start punting. And I'm like, what are you doing, dude? Like I would stretch and run and jog and do all this stuff for 45 minutes before I touch the ball. And it's like, dude, I'm 22. I'm good. And I go, that shit will turn around and jump on you. And he'll be the first one to tell you that like, like it, he started changing his ways about eating and, and workouts and stretching and all that little stuff. And I think he'd be the first one to tell you, yeah, like I learned something just from being around Adam's old butt that, you know, like how to be a pro, you know what I mean? And that's, I learned that from other guys too. And so the, the better you take care of your body, the better it's going to treat you in the long run. So. Oh my God. And you're speaking from experience, man. What, your 23 year career? Was that right? I got 24, 23, and almost to finish the last year. I had to have season ending knee surgery, but uh, 24. What changed then from the start? I mean, it sounds like you took care of your body, and it's great advice for all these young kids, too. Same thing. Like, it's, it's more than just stretching, right? It's eating right, it's sleeping enough, you know, and, and you hit on that with your boys really well, you know. But what changed from, you know, the middle of your career? towards the back end and take us just through like a, you know, your warm up routine, maybe sure. at the end of your, your season. Cause I know Pat said on, on his podcast that you, you know, would be out there freaking nearly two hours ahead, but it's doing all the little things, right? For sure. Yeah. So, so obviously as I got older, had a couple of different surgeries and stuff like that and kind of got more into a pitch count thing as, as we would kind of like, okay, season starts this day. So let's work backward and make a routine of a certain amount of kick. You know, it sounds crazy, but the last eight, 10 years, the first way out in April, I would start kicking minimal amounts of balls with deflated footballs, like just softer balls, just like you're, you know, and just stroking balls. Right. And then, okay, you do that for a week, the next week. Okay. Now we put in a couple of, of, real balls, but you're still hitting the deflated ones for, and so we really built a program like a pyramid almost to the point where, okay, each, each week, each month we got closer. Now, okay, now we're starting to hit regular balls and all that stuff. So for me, it was, it was really about, and it was hard for me. And I was always a guy kick all day long, kick every day. You know, that was kind of the, 
Belichick way. We, you know, we kick field goals and kickoffs every day. Um, but, but for me, that was normal. So when I got to Indy and my body started going, Hey man, you've got a couple issues here. I had to learn how to, to manage, manage what I did and really even go outside of the source and try to, I mean, the physical therapist, Aaron Brill, one of my best friends, I mean, love the guy to death. He, he spent lots and lots of time with me working on all the little stuff. We do activation stuff and soft tissue work and stuff. Just be, every day that I'd kick, we'd spend 30, 40 minutes together just doing all the little things. So when I got onto the field and started doing my workout stuff or doing my jogging around and breaking a sweat, I was ready to go. And that really kept me healthy for, for many, many years. So, you know, it's, it's tedious. It takes a long time. But again, this is your job and your livelihood and your mortgage. So at the end of the day, uh, get, giving yourself every opportunity you can is a smart thing. And when I say that, I'm not one of these crazy, crazy guys like, oh, I got to keep on adding. No, it wasn't that. It was how can I feel as healthy as I can when it's time to go? Sure, sure. And I you know, did not have a 24-year NFL career, but I do understand the importance of that when I was a kicker and a punter. I had you know, tendonitis, groin, hamstring, and, and it was a lot of like before the seat or before you practice, you know, you hop on a bike maybe for 10 minutes, get in the hot tub, you know, start getting some stretches and you go out and I have like a little back routine I would do that, you know, works my, also my hamstrings and my groin area too, and then dry run stuff. So is that how you normally start out? Did you start out going like in a tub and then moving on to a bike or working with, you know. Yeah, yeah. So usually, usually my soft tissue guy, their physical therapist, we would do some activation and some stretching and a little bit of that stuff, soft tissue stuff. And then, and then I would jump in the hot tub, really loosen up. And then, then I would do a gamut of, of lower back stretch stuff, um, kettlebell stuff that would just band stuff that would just really kind of get my hips and back loosened up. And once I felt like that was good, obviously working kickers growing number one, important punters, hamstrings, you know, but not to say all of them aren't important, but those are the ones that can kind of bite you a little bit if you're not ready. So a lot of little, you know, even, even the lifting regimen that we kind of developed in addition to everybody else's lift, we would do all of the four-way leg stuff, you know, with cables and stuff. Because, hey, listen, work the groins, work the IT bands, work the hip flexors, work the glutes and all that stuff so you so you can – because we're, we're so one-sided all the time. I mean, it would probably be smart to kick 50 balls right-footed and 50 balls left-footed just to stay, you know, even, I guess. But, um, you know, anything that you can to keep your lower back and, and your hips and stuff loose is a good thing, you know. I love that. I love that. And, you know, I actually heard Bradley Pinion who punted in the NFL, you know, he said he'd do punts with his right and left. Like, did you ever see anyone hit balls with like right and left or is that, you know, playing soccer all the way through college, I, you know, I was right footed, but pretty, pretty competent left footed as well. I, I mean, could I go out and hit a 30 yard field goal? Probably. Yes. Could I go out and hit a 50 yard field goal? Probably not. So I, I, when I, when I got away from soccer and just got into football, I, I didn't work a lot of the left stuff, which probably would have been good to stick with it. Got have no experience with it. So I don't want to say, yeah, this is what you should do. Cause I didn't do it. So I don't know, but um, I felt like I played a long time. So I got the most out of what I had left. <laughs> we were holding it together with some bubble gum at the end, but uh, 
we, we, we got enough. <laughs> Everything up, huh? Just freaking, yeah. That's right. That's, no, yeah, I, I mainly from a maintenance thing, that's the only reason it crossed my mind, you know. And, um, talk a little bit too, I'm, I'm interested in the four-way, I've heard this before, right? Like you, if you work your body straight up and down, Dave told me about this, like if you just do power cleans, right, and, and squats all the time, you're going to hit a certain plateau. But if you work your body in different directions, you're going to raise that plateau. Is that true? Or, or what are some workouts that you did? Well, I, I agree with that, but but when I say the the, the four way stuff, that's working all the little muscles and stuff too. It's not so so power clean, bench press, squat. I mean, they're hitting your big main core muscles, but a lot of times, as you know, um, yeah, take take a take a quarterback or a pitcher for instance. They're not going to sit there and bench press a bunch because it just to get to get big pecs. Is it really what they they need to work on mobility and stuff where they can get that whip of the arm? Similar for for us kickers, like for me, it was really important to keep my growing strong, my hip flexors and stuff really limber and strong. So the the four way cable stuff would be just I'm doing like a you know I'm doing a, a an abductor, an adductor, a, a, a kickback basically for glute and lower back, and then a you know raise or a, a forward whatever just for the hip flexor stuff. For me, trying to hit all the little auxiliaries, because you get enough work kicking and doing all the major stuff for the major, you know, but it's the it's that little muscle or that little tendon that gives you something that that kind of bites you a little bit. And I just noticed soft tissue stuff was important too to keep keep your muscles long and get rid of any scar tissue or anything that's building up in there. Like I said, I I spent a lot of time laying on a training table getting some work done, but that's just to make sure that your muscles are firing right. And I don't want to get technical with it. It's not that big of a deal, but but taking care of your body is the number one thing, I think is, is by far the most important thing that you can do. It's huge, man. It's huge. And like you said, the, the proof is in the pudding. Like you right. this, right. you had this you know, amazing, successful career. My brother's a physical therapist. I'm gonna need to get with him about all these different little, cause I know the biggest thing is anatomy, right? And they gotta understand what moves what, you know, and how that's all connected. Now, like post-practice stuff, obviously you'd have a routine or a script during <laughs> practice. And you said you were pretty much on like a hit chart or a, uh, you know, pitch count for your hits. Um, what was the treatment like after practice or what'd you do after? So I hate cold, but I did it anyway because it's just not fun. I wouldn't go straight cold plunge. I would usually contrast because I like the feel of hot and cold. It just feels like it's it's pumping the 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 lactic acid and stuff out of your legs and stuff. So for me, I would always go cold, hot, cold, hot, cold, like that kind of stuff. Um, had Normatex and I had you know all of all of the little stuff, the game readies and all the little stuff that you we get spoiled at from being in the league. It's at our disposal or, or kicking or punting at the, at the big colleges. You guys have all that stuff too. So I took advantage of, of a lot of that. Like I, I always felt like pre was the most important thing. And then post-practice, like I said, I would, I would contrast. That was my thing that I really liked doing always ending in cold, spend the last five minutes in cold or whatever. And then, and then for the most part, I was good. But like I said, soft tissue work, you know, Thursdays was always my massage day. It gave me enough time. Well, that was my major massage day, if you will, because that gave me enough time to really work through any knots and any of that stuff. So come Sunday, I felt pretty good. But, but um, you know, there's not a – I don't think there's a right and wrong. Some guys do it early in the week. Some guys do it later. Some guys do it multiple times. It just depends on what you can fit and what, what you feel the best about. I know 
as you, the more you do it, the more pressure you can handle. Like I remember my son got on the table and, and uh, had to, was working on something years ago. It's like, Oh my God. And he's like, that hurts dad. And I go, yeah, but that's, it's not, it's not a, it's not a fall asleep on the table type thing. Once you, once you get used to doing a lot, you'll be able to almost sleep through the pain part of it too. But sometimes you got to do it. Yeah. And I'm sure that the masseuse was have their dang elbow and his yeah. freaking getting. Oh it. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. All the dry needling and hooking electricity to it and all that stuff. It's uh, there's plenty, of, there's plenty of things those physical therapists want to do to torture us, I guess. <laughs> Did you do cupping? Did you do all those? You know, little, little bit, yeah, a little bit. I didn't, I didn't get as much out of that, but some guys really, really like that. So it just kind of depends on on uh, what what you may have going on. But uh, um, used use the um, the Compex machine and stuff where that sends the currents through and stuff like that quite a bit. But uh, a lot of dry needling. If I felt like I had anything that was tight, our physical therapist did did all the acupuncture, the dry needle and acupuncture type stuff. And that seemed to really help if you ever knotted up or something too, and have all the chiropractors and I mean everything they throw at us just to make sure we can stay on the field on Sunday. Sure, it's using your resources, right? And that's sure. probably look like a dang voodoo doll with all the different sides <laughs> your arms and stuff or legs. And, that's right. You know, a question I get a lot too is, Coach, like, you know my guy's losing his distance on kickoffs and he's starting out the year freaking 12 yards deep. And now he's, you know, can barely reach the goal line or he's five deep. You know, did you have a, well, you kind of talked about your kick count during practice, but how did that differ maybe say from August to your December's or January's or, you know, were you a big dry run guy? Did you like doing, you know, just to replicate the swing? Uh, you talked about the yeah. balls a little bit. Yeah. yeah. There's definitely a time and a place for, for visualizing and, and, you know, if you're a punter and you're not doing 500 drops a day or, you know, I mean, we've got all practice long and we're kicking for 15 minutes of it. Right. So if, if your coach is the kind of coach that says you're going to stay out here till it's done, well, then you're just wasting time if you're not doing something constructive. So, I mean, I would always underhand throw balls to our holder and our, you know, and underhand balls so he could catch balls and do his drops myself it is well, you know, work on some dry runs through field goals in, in kickoffs. A lot of the stuff for me, I take my steps to, to visualize it, to see it without actually kicking balls. For me, early in my career, I kicked twice as much as I did when I hit 38 to 48. I really did. I mean, I hit a lot more, you know, once I, once I got to Indy, I didn't hit as many balls anymore, but it's, for me, I think off season is the time that you really work on specializing your craft and, and during the season is minor tweaks and building confidence and doing the little stuff. You're not going to reinvent the atom. You're not, you, I, I hate to see it coach say, we're going to change something major because that just takes so many reps to kind of get that into your muscle memory that I think that's the time to do it you know, in the summer or in the spring, summer, before the season comes around when the season's there, you know, we, you know, we, we correct and stuff coach, you know, during the week, but come game day, it's, it's what, how you feel, what you feel and let's go. So for me, the majority of your adjustments and probably more kicking should be in the off season. And then once you get into the season, you have to kind of, and like I said, first 10 years of my career, we kicked every single day. And, and I was young, so I could handle it, I guess. But I do think even, even, even high school kids, even college kids, um, 
to be on some sort of a pitch count. Kickoffs wear you down way more than anything else. I, I can kick a 100 field goals and feel better than after I got done, you know, versus 12 kickoffs because those are so violent, full go, everything at it. So, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's one day in the middle of the week that we're working on kickoffs and maybe it's you're hitting 10 live balls that you're really trying to get after it. But the other stuff you can work on, you know, some either dry runs like you mentioned or, or whatever, but multiple days of kickoffs are going to end up getting you at some point for sure. It does vary, right? Makes the biggest difference in general is, is yeah. you know, doing a ton of those kickoff reps. And so would you have a day? I mean, sometimes I tell my guys, I, I don't want to see them do more than like seven or five kickoffs in a day. Do you have a cap like that that you put on? Well, I think, I think if you, you warm up, you get a first couple, and then once you're grooving it and you're hitting the ball well, hit, like you said, five, six of those, and, and then shut it down. Because at some point, what do they call it, diminished return or whatever, once you get to a certain level, you just, you can keep kicking, 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 but you're starting to lose some power. So, and, and there's never a game that you kick off six in a row anyway. It's a kickoff, 20 minutes later, you're going to hit another one, you know, hopefully you guys score 40 points and you might have five or six or seven of them things throughout the course of the day of a game. But I think you're right. I think, I think getting your timing and your steps down. And so when you're coming to contact, you've, you've got a good feel. I think the biggest, the thing that I always notice on high school kids and some college kids, some pros, um, if they, they, they sit there and they go, you know, I can three-step this thing down two yards deep. But then when I get back and take my full approach, you know, they tow it or they're not making as clean a contact and they're running twice as fast. And you're like, I should have more power. You should have more power. But if you don't hit it on the sweet spot, you're losing all of that. So I always talk to the young kids and stuff. I'm like, start, start short, get your contact, get your steps. And then we can always move back a little bit. And hey, you know, then all of a sudden, but, but once you lose that sweet spot contact, you're done. So to, to go back further and keep going and trying to beat a dead horse is dumb. Figure out the contact part. Because I'm like, well, shoot, in high school, if you can take a two-step approach and hit it three yards deep, it's a touchback. Now, you may want nine yards deep, and I get that. But if you go back eight yards, now you're hitting it to the five-yard line, somewhere in those five yards, you lost it. So we got to get that back. So for me, you know, I look at Seabass. Guy took about a three-step approach, but he smashed the ball. He never went back far. He didn't have to. You know what I mean? So I, I always, I'm the kind of guy like keep everything as simple as possible. Have less moving parts. If you can kick it deeper than hell with a five-step approach, why go to an eight-step approach? You know, you know, I'm always about making it as easy as possible and less moving things. You see high school kids that are always bobbing and stuff when they're kicking. I'm like, stop that. Stop. Quit. Be comfortable. But all this movement shit, like you could be going forward and snaps, or you could be going backward and snaps, and your and your 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 center of gravity is different. Do the same all the time, because then when you get into a game or a pressure situation, your body already knows what to do. It just takes over naturally, and then you can just focus in on your job and not think about any of the other stuff around you. So. Uh, I always had a wrestling coach always said, keep it simple, stupid. And I'm like, what the heck does that mean? But uh, I get what it means. Having less things to think about and worry about makes your job easier. 100%. And like you said, guys, young kids will go back and they'll be like, hey, let's, you know, hit some kickoffs. And they'll just, you know, maybe get some three steps, five steps. 
I got a coach go straight back to the full steps and they're hitting line drives. And it's like, dude, if you just got in your contact, right. Warmed up a little bit, you'd be fine. Right. Right. I dropped him some jewels. Adam. You got some, got some jewels out here for the young, the young kids, but I love that. You know, and I, I want to ask you this too, cause it came up, you know, you have a very unique, distinct uh, stance and, you know, we've all replicated it, you know, the, the aggressive, you know, I, I love the, the positioning. How did that come about? Was that someone you learned or you mimicked from someone? And, and what did you like about it? So, so the real reason why I did it is because I see a lot of people that stand more upright and they always take a jab step because you have to take a jab step to get your momentum to move forward, right? If you're standing straight up and down. Um, if you've got a little bit of a forward lead and your weight's on your front foot, 60-40, 65-35 kind of thing, so there's more weight on your front foot, it automatically puts your, puts your weight in, your, in your, your center of gravity forward, so that way when you start going, the ball comes, you don't have – see, I, I never like taking a jab step, and the reason why is because if you can replicate the jab step and make it this big or this big every single time – Great, I've got no problem with it. But it's the problem was one time it's this big, the next time it's this big. So your next step or your approach or your or your plant foot, now you've got to like, again, as simple as possible. Less moving parts. If I can, if I can replicate it this exactly the same every time, the outcome's gonna be the same every time. So for me, I did more of an aggressive forward stance because in my mind, when I hit the best balls, I'm attacking the ball. And, and that's one of the things too. You see a lot of times if a kid is not confident, if he feels like, oh, maybe you missed a kick and now this next one, you know, without the confident swing and attacking the ball, I feel like now all of a sudden they're bound, their weight's off a little bit, your hips, you know, you're, you, you know, there's so many things that can end up going wrong versus, you know, I know everybody has their own little thing. My, my key word or whatever is, is attack the ball. Attack, attack, attack. Because for me, and, and not to the point where you're clenching, I'm going to kill it, but smooth, controlled, forward, lean, aggressive. Attack was just was my word that I put in my head. But that's why I liked it. You know, John, John Car uh, Casey, I mean, shoot, he leans clean over the, the front of himself. You know, he drops down, way down here. He can't take a jab step when he's like that. I mean, it's his moment, his center of gravity is so far forward and I'm not trying to emulate John. He's lefty and he's awesome. I love the guy to death. I think he's an incredibly good kicker. Um, but each, for me, like I always tell kids or adults or kickers or whatever, I said, you can be you. Like I, I hate it when I went to a camp when I was a high school kid and they tried to make 500 kids kick exactly the same way. And this kid that's six, four, this kid that's five, four is not going to have the same body. So, the most important thing is everyone should look exactly the same as their plant foot hits the ground and the swing goes through. How do you get there? I don't really care. It's important to get there in a certain amount of time. I mean, that window of time's got to be there. So if you're a if you're a three-step, if you're a guy that's farther away, you've got to start a little earlier. If you're a closer guy, you don't have to start as fast. But I think that plant foot has to be right there and that and your foot going through has to be in the right spot. Beyond that, how you get there? Remember Paul Enger played for Chicago for a handful of years. He faced backward and looked over his shoulder when the ball came, he spun around and kicked the ball. Now, I'm not saying right or wrong, but he made it to the league, so he's probably pretty damn good, right? So there's a million different stances, approaches, whatever, whatever. 
It's however you can comfortably get to your plant foot at the right spot and your foot going through that, that motion, that pendulum motion hitting the ball in the sweet spot. For me, I just wanted to get rid of all of the little stuff that could potentially take me off of my spot. Keep it simple, stupid. Right, right on. <laughs> foot in contact, right? Most important part, make sure it's consistent every time. Yeah. And that's the other thing. I, I watch high school kids all the time, college kids, when your hashes are wide, so you're taking pretty aggressive angles. Sometimes when they take their, their steps back, for me, I would say if you if you took my steps from the ball to my plant or to my where I'm starting, you cut a strip piece of string and then you move this around. And I took my steps, you drop that string, I'd be willing to bet I was within a half an inch every single time. And that's just because I because I trained myself to do it exactly the same every single time. So it gave me a chance each time. A lot of young kids, they don't understand how important that is. You know, sometimes if they're at the right hash, they round the corner and, and I go, stop. If I take this and now we go to the other side, you're gonna be off by six or eight or 10 inches. Do you think it's gonna be the same there? Absolutely not. You've got, you've got to be the same every, some kid high school, people, oh, I'm better from this hash. Well, cause you screw it up on this hash. So let's work this and let's get it down. You think it's crazy? I went and bought one of those metal, you know, 90 degree things. When I'm working with the high school kids and stuff, I'll drop it down. I'll be like, here, take your line. Let's make sure you're going directly at the target. And I'm going to put it behind you. So you're going to 90. And it's amazing because once we start doing, they go, I look stupid with this. This is, this is dumb. I go, can you make your kicks? Yeah. Okay. Well, we don't have to do this forever, but until you get your stuff down, let's, let's program it into our head. Let's do this 500 times until you get it down and then you're going to be spot on every time. And then you're going to be like, sheesh, why didn't I do that sooner? You know what I mean? I don't, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what you look like in practice. I care what the outcome is. And that's the one thing that I think has changed in football over the last three or four decades is people are more concerned about their Instagram accounts and their Twitter accounts, how much swag I've got and how I look. Dude, the only thing that matters is if you, Make your kick, make your catch, win the game. None of that other. I just it drives me crazy when when some of that young stuff comes trick trick and also whatever. Hey man, I gotta look good. No, you gotta play good, dude. You know, let's make our kicks and then we'll worry about the rest of the stuff later. So I don't know. It just I just went on a rant. Sorry, right, man. We, we love that, and I think the coolest thing that I heard you say, you know, when we when we got to talking was, you know, your swag. I mean, you can say it, but you know, your swag in the league was, is hitting your game winner. You know what I mean? That's right. That's right. Yeah. I was, well, yeah, I, I don't know how I started that. That was always just my signature, whatever thing, but you'd never see me wearing crazy colored shoes or extra wristbands or any, anything. And I don't care if you do. I, I, that, I'm not a hater when it comes to that. I don't, I don't mind, but just be on point and then you can do whatever the heck you want to after that, but make sure you've got your other stuff now. You know what I mean? Gems, man. Hit your freaking game winners and hit, hit the track. Right. I thought it was the coolest thing. You know, you gotta, you gotta have a go-to uh, celebration. That's, that's the goat trademark, man. Right. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah. And, and just like you were saying too, when I'm working with young guys, even college guys, the guys I've worked with and I'm believe me, I don't profess to be an expert, but like coaches out there that have kickers, right? Like, all you have to do is make sure they have that 90 degree angle from both hash. And it seems like right footed kickers right from the right hash will always cut that down because they seem like they're further away. Same thing with left footed kickers from the left, left hash. So coaches, 
you don't have to know anything about kicking, man. Just make sure that they're, and if you need to take a string out there, fantastic idea. Take the string out, make them do a ton of freaking dry runs when they're not kicking. Yep. No, for sure. I think, I don't know what it is about, about that, that makes, you know, they take their steps and then they, they, I, I don't know why they close that net. I, I, I'm not exactly sure why, but, but when we do it and we go, okay, stop. All right, now let's take our steps and redo it. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's, that's significant. Yeah, it's absolutely. That's why I think those, those may or jet field goals or whatever are hard. Not because it's fast, fast, fast. You just don't have time to do. You have to visual, visually look and go, yep, this looks about as right as I can be. And depending on how much time you have, oh, I got an extra second, I can, I can eyeball a little bit more. Or, oh, I got five extra seconds, I can actually take my steps fast. Those are, those are the hardest kicks, not because it's, because it's the end of the game or, oh, we got to run out there fast. It's because you have to visualize like, okay, I think this is about right. So you don't get to do your normal process and, and be positive that you're on the right spot. Sure. And some, of the, some of the old school kick, Matt Mark, never took steps. He got his spot, walked back, visualized it, and banged it. So good for him because he's better than I am because I couldn't have done that. I'm like, damn, that's pretty impressive, you know, but some guys do that, you know, I mean, that's just their way. Everyone has their own ways, right? And that was pretty impressive. Well, you kind of touched on it too. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to change the subject, but you know, in game situations, and obviously you are the master of freaking going into high intensity situations and performing, right? What was your process like? Take me through a third down, we're on the 45 yard line going in, right? You know that you might be getting an opportunity. What do you, I've heard coaches say, Hey, stare at the other goalposts and visualize the other goalposts. That way it looks farther away. So when you get up here, you know, and whatever it works, it works for them. Or, you know, seeing yourself hitting balls, like, what did you do? What was your thought process like? I, I never did that. I mean, I never looked at the opposing goalposts or anything. I guess for me, I, I tried to make the world shrink to about a three yard by three yard little spot. Not even, I couldn't even really see the front line in front of me. It was my holder and me and my few little steps. So, for me, I know if I line everything up right and I hit the ball right, the ball should go where I want it to go. So, you know, obviously if it's outside your comfortable range and you know you've got to dig deep and, and got to get an extra yard or two, but if it's any kick that I felt I had range for, my world was right there. And, and I, I guess probably better than most or better than some that I could really focus in on that and not get too crazy with what's going on around me, really block out all the sound and the noise and the situation and certain, I'm always like, listen, make it just concentrate on the kit, concentrate on what you control, the kit, not the snap. You can't control the hole, but you can, you can visualize that snap leaving the center's rear end and coming back to the holder. And that's kind of your key to start your process. But for me, for me, it was always about let everybody else do their job and you just kind of stay right there where you need to be. And, you know, for the, for the instance, the first game winner in the Super Bowl against the Rams, 40, 45, 48 yarder, whatever it was. And I went out there and I was like, dude, you're in a dome. You have no wind, rain, nothing to worry about. You're on a good surface. You've kicked balls way farther than this. This is a normal kick on a, any Thursday in June, right? Same thing. So just go out there and do your job. And, and, and it's easier said than done. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure you got a heart rate monitor on me. My heart's probably pounding out of my chest. Guarantee it. But it was weird though, because as I went out there on the field, 
everything kind of like slowed down and got quiet around me. Like you see in the movies when they do that stuff and you're like, it really did do that. Really? I mean, now we've got a, one of our wings, John to the other guy and he's not getting set. So I say to Kenny, my holder at the time, Ken Walters, I'm like, dude, shut up, Rod, will you? And he, Rod, shut up, you know, okay. You know, so there's a lot of little stupid things going on around it. But even with that, like, I just, I don't know. I just was able to focus back in on what was right here. And if I would have really thought about, oh my God, this is the win the Super Bowl. And oh, the Patriots have never done this before. And oh my God, da, 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 da. maybe, you know, you start thinking all that other stuff. Maybe you're not thinking about the kick. I just, I have a huge respect for guys like Mariano Rivera because I think he's one of the greatest athletes of all time. The dude just go, man, I got to get three outs. And it, everything's on the line. And he did it for 25 years straight, just money, lights out, lights out, lights out. He could focus in so much and just perform under the, the craziest conditions. And I guess for me, probably playing all the sports and like playing quarterback and, and soccer, I center midfield. Why? Because I wanted to be right around the action. You know, so I think some guys enjoy having the ball in their hand at the end of the game or the, that last shot in basketball or whatever, the Michael Jordans, if you will. I just, I just, I hated being on the sideline watching, well, God, I hope this guy misses, otherwise we lost. You know, that I, I would much rather be the guy out there doing the kicking than standing on the sideline not being able to be a part of it. So for me, focus in on your job and don't think about any of the other stuff. And that for me seems to work pretty well. Like your pup walking through and being able to- What's that? I said like your pup walking through and being able to focus, man. That's freaking, put it into motion right there. But no, that's, like that's probably one of the coolest things ever. And you can apply that to life, right? Like focus on your three-yard box. You can't control anyone else's decisions and what they're going to do. All you can control is your your reactions and how you operate. So Belichick used to always say, do your job. Don't do anybody else's. You can't do anybody else's. Do your job. And holds true. I mean, like you said, any, it doesn't matter football or anything else. Do your job. You do. You worry about your stuff and let everybody else do theirs. And you know, it's, things usually happen pretty well if it does. Yeah, dang, man. That's, that's awesome. And this has been awesome. You've been dropping jewels here, Adam. So <laughs> I won't keep you too much longer, but I do want to hear, tell me one of, uh, you know, the toughest situations you went in the mental process because, for example, Super Bowl 38, right? You had missed a kick in the Super Bowl. And any kicker, right, who has missed a kick, freaking high school game, you know, you get that feeling. I know I missed where it's like, oh, shit. I can't come out here and miss another one. Like my job could be on the line. This is a freaking Super Bowl, and you walk in. I'm showing my guys when I was at Rice. I showed my guys this, and just your your focus, your you know how how you look after you come in and you hit that. But it doesn't have to be that one. Take me through one that was you know. Tough. No, that that's a that's as good a good a spot as any. You know, we uh, our our long snapper cut the webbing in his hand before the Super Bowl. He was struggling a little bit uh, the week beforehand. And ended up needing stitches before the game. So we're all like, oh my God, is he even going to be able to go? So add a little extra adversity onto it and stuff. And sure, you're right. I missed one and had one blocked in the game. So I, I missed two in that game. So stepping out there at the end of the game, you have to be able to put that behind you and have to be able to go. Nobody's going to remember those ones if you make this. If you miss this, they're going to remember all of the bad stuff. So for, for me, again, you just have to kind of calm your mind and I think probably even more stress packed for me was probably my rookie year. Like I said, you know, a couple of up and down games early and to be able to go 
into that Jacksonville game and, and, and make a bunch of kicks and make a 40 something yard game winner to, to seal the deal was, was nice for, for me. Whenever I had a miss, yeah, you start thinking about it. And I always would be like, gosh, I hope the next drive would get down there and have another opportunity to kick because the longer I sat, sat there on the sideline thinking about it, the more I'd get pissed that I missed. Well, how'd you miss that? You should have never missed that. You know, that this stupid thing. And, and so as soon as the sooner I could get back out there, clear my mind, bang a kick through and then be able to go, okay, now let's move on. You know, that, that for me was always really, really important. So, Hey man, if you play, if you play long enough, you're going to miss a kick or two or no, probably, I probably missed a hundred kicks in my entire career. So you're going to miss them. You just have to be able to, to bounce back and put the next one through. Jeez. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And that I'm, I'm telling you, and I first, I think watching on Pat McAfee show and he was talking about, you know, your mentality and, and going through that. And, but yeah, just being able to put that behind you, right? Because like you said, if you do miss, they'll think about all you know all the kicks you missed before. But if you make it, no one's going to eat. Oh, absolutely. No. I, I think Pat and I were, were good for each other. He was a nice young guy when, when I was past halfway through my career. And it was, it was an enjoyable time because I made, I made him a little more mature. He kept me younger, you know, and, and we had a, a great relationship. And we, we won a lot of games together. And, and I kind of liked it too because he was more fun loving on the field when I was more serious and and I would hear him John with other guys and crazy stories about you know it was one of I'll tell you I'll keep it PG one of the guys um, I think it was Jacksonville actually and everything happens with Jacksonville it seems like but I think one of their defensive linemen were running out to kick the field goal and the defensive lineman kind of like cuts in between Pat and I and kind of like shoves him kind of gives me like a way you know and Pat blew up on this dude. What? You mind, you know, explicit, explicit, explicit. You know, the guy's like, what are you talking to me? Like, Again, too many explicits to get into, and it's probably not appropriate, but he he went off on this guy. And I'm like, dude, that guy's bigger than both of us combined. What are you doing? He's like, man, ain't nobody gonna touch you like that. And I was like, hey man, I appreciate it. Bang the field goal. I think Pat was probably giving some fingers to him as he's walking off and stuff. And and, and I tell you, it, it just so many little stories and fun things like that that you half forget until somebody mentions it and you're like, oh yeah, I remember that. So yeah, he was he, he was good for me for sure. Talking talking shit to the other guys. Uh, yeah, do you have do you have another pet story that you like the most? Or it doesn't even have to be you know on the field or you know one was you know in the clubhouse or something. Uh, he's just he's just so wild. Half of the stuff I probably can't or shouldn't talk about. But uh, he was always the life of the, the locker room and party. And I mean, he, he, he kept it fun. He definitely, definitely kept it fun. I'll leave it at that. When, we're, when you and I are drinking a beer sometime, I'll tell you a bunch of stories. <laughs> Too many people are going to see this. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Shoot. Yeah, they'll, they'll definitely be watching with you on it, man. You dropped some freaking gems out. So we really appreciate that. I, you know, one thing I want to hit on too before I leave, and, and there's no one better to ask it than you, is what do you think um, – you know, differentiates um, the best NFL kickers in the league from just the good and average one? Like what sets these best guys apart? Well, I personally think we've touched on it before, consistency over a long period of time. Uh, you know, I look at guys, you know, who was my all-time favorite guy growing up would have been Morton Anderson. There's plenty of great kickers. 
Um, you know, Nick Lowry and obviously Jan Stenner, that was before my time, a little bit even before, but, you know, um, Jason Elam, I, I know you've had a bunch of guys, you know, David Aker's great, Hanson's great, you know, Carney's great, all these guys. But like for me, what's the reason why these guys are great is because they want to flash in the pan. There's anybody can have a good season, but to have a good career, you have to do it over and over and over and over. And when I was growing up as a kid, it just seemed like Morton was the guy always, like every year he was the guy, you know, and, and, uh, you know, there, there's lots of good ones. There's guys like, like Hanson in Detroit, unfortunately, they didn't make a whole lot of playoffs. I think he only played in two or three playoff games in 18 year career. So he didn't get a lot of that extra exposure, playoff exposure. I think he's as good as anybody, but you know, he didn't get in the big games as often. And, and that sometimes makes a, makes a, a big thing. I think guys like Tucker and those guys are damn good, you know, like they're really, really good. There's some good guys out there that, that for me, if you're going to be an elite guy, you've got to, you've got to be damn good, consistent year in and year out, year in and year out. I, I get it. There's years that you may get injured and you miss, you know, your whatever, but you better bounce back the next year and, and show that you're back. You know what I mean? That, that for me is, what separates good from great. And anybody, listen, I got the utmost respect. Anybody that gets invited to an NFL camp, I don't care if you're there for 10 minutes and a coffee and you're gone. If you're good enough to get to that camp, you've got my respect, period. Nothing more, I mean, that's that's honest to God truth. If you make it a decade, even better. But I, I just, guys that bust their butt for a, a goal and, and get onto that field, you got it from me, for sure. Yeah, if you make it 24, I guess you're all right. <laughs> you did something right for a couple of years anyway. <laughs> I guess so. So Tucker, Bucker, you guys got another 10 years, man. You got to freaking step it up. Come in from Adam. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's that's right. Great. They will. They'll be fine. Oh, yeah. They're, they're done impressive. But, you know, that's at least my generation. It was, you know, you and Dave and Shane and, and all those guys, you know, that, that yep. so it's, it's pretty cool. That was the fun stuff for me. Like the thing that I, being out now for a year, the thing that I miss the most is the camaraderie, the fellowship, the guys that you meet, you know, the relationships that you build and that kind of stuff, you know, you know, like those guys that you just mentioned, you know, there's guys that are not in your conference or your division that you only see once every handful of years, but it doesn't matter. I mean, you, you, you go up and you, you BS with them. There's only been in my entire career, there's probably only been two specialists that I didn't care for and everybody else. And even, and I could have been, 45 and they're 22 or, or I'm 22 and they're 45. Just that fellowship is awesome. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of neat the passing of the torch and the younger guys, you know, coming and taking over and becoming the older guys when the new group comes in. It's pretty awesome. I, I, I zero regrets. That's for sure. It's a tight knit group, right? I, I get that it's, same feeling from coaching too. And, uh, you know, again, it's not the, it's not the same, and from that perspective. But I do love you know talking to guys, guys like you, man. Just all the guys I've met too, Sam, have been so open and, and just fantastic guys. Love talking ball, so that's pretty good. Cool. Do you have any advice for the young guys? We're, we're kind of wrapping up here, but you know you've seen you've seen it all done and all. Is there anything for the young guy? I know you got your son who's a baller. You know, any advice for the young guys out there? Well, for, for me, my, my advice is, is probably the same that you hear from a lot of other people, but you, you've got no excuses not to give 100% all the time. Like, I always tell, I tell my son and younger guys, listen, there's another party, there's another girl, there's another whatever, 
always around the next one. I said, football and your sport, your dream, I don't care if it's football or not, it could be, it could be for some person that wants to become a physicist or a doctor or this or that. I don't care what it is. Your dream, everybody's got an opportunity in a window. There's really no reason not to just give 100% effort and do everything that you can. And even if you don't make it, you'll be able to look in the mirror and look at yourself and say, I, I did everything I could to make that. And, and, but I tell you what, if you do that more times than not, like I always tell, I tell my son and some of the other guys, I go, you know, there's some exceptional athletes in the NFL. There's some God-given, talented people in the NFL. I said, but the vast majority are dudes that are above average athletically, for sure, with humongous hearts, humongous work ethics. The guys that just not drafted, but become a superstar. Why? Because they, they never give up. They, they're the guy that says, I'm going to make you find a reason to cut me. And you're never going to find one because I'm never going to give you a reason. Those are the dudes that I've got so much respect for because I sit there and I go, you know, you, you look at this guy, you know, there's so many throughout my career that I sit there and I go, this dude, I'm surprised he even got invited to camp, you know, like, what? You went to school at, I don't know, Brown University or something, you know, but well, I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, for, I think of one exactly, went to Brown and small guy, wasn't a starter. He did every special teams and he did everything 150 miles an hour. Guys hated to play against him. Like, dude, slow down. You're, you're killing me here. He's like, and they're getting fistfights. And you know what? Had about a 12 year career. So there you go. I mean, those, those are the type of guys that, you know, if, if you put every effort into it, good things usually work. 100%, 100%. And just like you said, it's, they're around. They just kind of stick around and they can't get kicked out. They're doing everything they can to just be around. Sometimes it's the last guy around that, that wins, right? Those last cuts, there's always like the coaches are all, I mean, you probably, you probably know what I'm talking about. There's always, you know, the last cut, we got to cut seven guys and there's 12 guys that we'd really like to keep, you know, you're like, uh, you know, okay. There's one or two guys that they're like, I never thought he'd make the team, but there's no way we can get rid of him. He's too valuable, you know? And, those are the guys that you're talking about. And it's just awesome to see those guys because sure. There's some guys that run four, two nines and yeah, you're just, you're yeah, but not everybody's like that. You know what I mean? And, and I was a guy from South Dakota that went halfway around the world to follow my goals and dreams and it worked out. And, and then I worked my butt off for a long, long time and played for a quarter of a century. Almost. So not bad. I can do it. Anybody can do it. Dang it. <laughs> I don't know, man, that, you know, the stuff you've been through is, is pretty impressive. So, man, it's been awesome. I was going to ask you, Tad, if you had a favorite motivational quote or success quote, I mean, you kind of hit on something there earlier, but is there anything that stands out to you? Well, I tell you, like I said, the one that, you know, the one that holds the most true to me is the one that Matt told me about never as good as they say you are and never as bad as they say you are, because, if you can remember that and just keep grinding every single day and just, I mean, there's days that you don't feel it, but you need to keep going. You know, that's the thing. The people that can push through that are mentally tough and strong enough to push through are the ones that persevere. And those are the Navy SEALs, for instance, to, to be a, become a SEAL, you gotta, you gotta go through a lot of crap to get there, but you earn that thing. If you can, if you can wear that badge, you're, you're something special. And that's what I'm talking about. If you can push through the, the dog days, they don't give championship rings and Super Bowl trophies just to anybody. You have to go earn those suckers. So to be a part of that is pretty amazing. Man, 
awesome. It is pretty amazing, man. That's, man, I've had an awesome time. We've used you, you know, to talk to our specialists and, and teach off of your stuff and, and we'll definitely continue doing that in the future. You got anything, any big plans or anything people should know about moving forward? Any, you know, open up any clothing lines or, you know? <laughs> uh, no, you know, I'm just, just sitting back and enjoying the family. I got a cool ranch in, uh, in Missouri. It's called Record Breaking Ranch for anybody that likes shooting gigantic deer and elk and stuff like that, some exotics. So anybody want to come check that out? www.recordbreakingranch.com. I didn't mean to plug that, but you just said it. So I'm going to go ahead and add that in. We get a couple extra people come out hunting. That's always a good thing. And I'll probably be out there choosing with you. So that's a good thing. Record Breaking Ranch, man. Yeah, definitely go go look that up. I named it that, man. I figured, shoot, if we're going to break records, we better. I broke a couple records. They can break big deer records. So we're good. That's a great, that's a great saying, man. That's a great team there. So man, Adam, we, we appreciate you coming on, man. And I love guys like this. I just love come and talk ball. And, and, you know, I, I think that you enjoy it too. And yeah, it's awesome for me. Awesome for me watching your career and being able to just sit and chat with you. has been awesome, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you. Of course. Anytime. Well, this has been the Iceman Kicking Podcast with Adam Minutari. Appreciate it.